everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read and Weep. Today is the finale of season 19, Top Chef Houston, episode 14, colon, Top Chef Tucson, colon, the final plate, the finale. It's the end of season 19, and we are here at least briefly with a mostly full panel. It is going to, there's going to be some attrition as we go on. So let me just say hi to everybody, and then we'll say bye to them in spirit. First up, I'm Alex. I'm back. I'm in Hollywood, California, along with Megan. Hey, buddy. Hello. Thanks for being here. Also joining us in Northern California, it's Ezra and Sarah. Hey, guys. Hello. In Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris. Hey, look out for wasps. And in lovely Burbank, California, it's new Sarah and Kyle. Hey, dudes. Hello. Uh, It's just me for the moment, but Sarah will hopefully be popping in. It's already happened. (laughs) Sarah Sarah Um, is in the ether and will pop in. She will emerge from the darkness like a, a ghost or a boat. Oh, like a yeah. ghost boat coming out of the darkness. Um, I first want to say to Chris and Kyle and Ezra, excellent job holding down the fort last week and Sarah for most of it. Um, I just want to say I apologize for technical issues to the entire audience. Were, <laughs> part of it was my fault and part of it really wasn't. But no, nope, definitely know, part of it wasn't. Better. Large portions yeah. of it were also my fault. Um, we uh, had a little miscommunication, Ezra and I, in the editing process. And so we, we definitely released a worse version than we could have. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but uh, the end result is that we appreciate everyone who powered through last week, including the several minutes of silence and people typing that you got to listen to. That's bonus yeah. content as far as I'm consumed, <laughs> concerned. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's great. Thank you. You, guys did, you guys did an excellent job, and the editing was, was not great. Um, it's great because... I, I, I finished the episode recording it, thinking like, "Wow, I can't believe I spent so much work to be so mediocre at something." And somehow yeah. I was able to continue that trend throughout the edit process as well. I think it got worse. Yeah, you, you took you a lot of time, and it still was not great. Um, well, I will is, say yeah, it also, keep some people away from the stew. Well, <laughs> uh, it it even if it wasn't the best editing job, it was also one of the rawest f- pieces of raw. material that yeah, had been presented. Sure. Uh, sure to pack your you mics ever. raw yes. pack your mics honest it was good it was good and actually my main thing i took away from it listening to it yesterday was um finally um and by the way if you haven't listened to that one if you didn't listen to that in the first week if you listen to it late if you're listening to all of this time shift a little bit maybe it sounds awesome because someone had time to go back and rework it all and now it sounds a little bit better and you might notice the file is called file fixed six so it took some tries um you know you ever do that you ever like call a file final and then have to do six more of them anyway um my main takeaway was that the four of you were incredibly awesome and charming and i like it a lot and i felt like i I got a lot out of it that i hadn't gotten from just watching top chef alone so i really appreciated all of your work holding down the fort and hopefully this one will be a lot easier Thank Thanks. You. I'm going to take about a season off before I ever do that again. <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, I will also say a couple of quick holdover riffs. First of all, mm. skeptical of this chimichanga story, you guys. I don't know why you guys were all you bought it the whole way. Someone accidentally fried a burrito. There's no there's no way you own a commercial fryer and haven't tried frying everything you own. I just don't okay, believe but- it. Alex, a burrito is a round object that can roll, and so like it's plausible that you have a, All a, right. so a I, roll of burritos, and it no. sort of rolls off into the fryer. It could happen. I don't it know. I've never seen a burrito roll. You're frying everything. There's yeah. that whole song one about the meatball rolls. truck carrying chocolate runs headlong into one truck carrying <laughs> peanut butter. 
I and forgot about exactly the slapstick origins of that no, candy. No, no. I, I'm I'm willing to say like a meatball can roll. I've seen a meatball roll, yeah. but I have never seen a burrito go rogue off of a check plate. Your angles, dude. Huh? <laughs> Did you check your angles? Yeah, you can make a burrito roll. I know you can. You couldn't. It's yeah. it's physically possible, but like in so many situations, I, I've been in so many life. I've had so many life experiences with burritos, and I've never seen one roll uncontrollably no, they, away from me, especially when they, around they, boiling the oil. Really protects the burrito. Yeah, it yeah. does, and it's also frequently wrapped in foil, or it's on a plate mean, surrounded by goo. And if you take a bite out of it, now it's just gooping everywhere. Anyway, my when point also, is, if I have other- a deep fryer, the first thing I'm going to do is fry everything I own. <laughs> And I just don't understand why someone didn't think, oh, a burrito would be clearly a good thing to fry. It's like, which one's Alex? Oh, he's the one with the fried watch, you know? <laughs> I should have specified food. You're right. No, no, no. It's a cannon now. <laughs> and also, if you um, drop a burrito so- into a deep fryer, I think everyone's going to react more like, oh, my gosh, flying oil and not like, I'm going to eat what comes out of there. Oh, also so true. If, if it rolled in there, so splashy. Plus, if there's some cold parts of it in the middle, I know there's like the when you deep fry a turkey, like you get those like ice chunks, uh, right? Explosions. The explosions, right? So I wonder if like you know, would like you just catch a, a pocket of like just just sour cream just jetting out basically and like <laughs> causing a fire? Sure, yeah, the sour cream torpedo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, that but does happen. Chimichangas canonically have sour cream inside. That it, would seem it, like it, just like a. a hot death waiting for your mouth anyway <laughs> well we don't know what the first chimichanga was like and what it was thinking but <laughs> it didn't so know true. it was going to be a chimichanga back to the before uh, times yeah. the other other thing long, i just want to go uh, really quickly is i'm disappointed that we did an entire cactus episode and nobody mentioned not to pick the prickly pear by the paw i just feel like that was good safety advice we could have given people <laughs> yeah. when you pick the pear, pear when you pick the pear you got to use the claw have i not given you a clue at this point on how to behave safely Anyway, uh, I mean, you are, you are just, Baloo. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that's true. You're missing your classic Baloo. Um, wait, wait, also, side note. If anyone wants some Baloo in their lives, everyone needs to check out the new Rescue Rangers reboot movie. There's a little bit of Baloo. Baloo in it? A little bit is of Baloo. Oh, is man, I really like it. I'm really, I'm going to talk it up to everyone I know, oh, which are really? not that many people at this point, because I haven't seen people <laughs> yeah. for a while. But yeah, no, I'd, absolutely. I, I, we weren't yeah. too big of a fan. It, we, were, we had high hopes for the first 15 <sighs> minutes, and it sort of lost us. Well, oh, then take that average. Are you are you are you uh, enthusiastic about everything, or are you a reasonable person? I do feel so. I'm not not to um, discount your opinions, Ezra. It's just that when you see a movie with kids that your kids like, I assume that that is infecting your brain a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's also double whammy because I liked this thing also as a youngin, and so it's like it's uh, a, it's a yeah. special sweet spot yeah. of like. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the next like I don't know ten to fifteen years of, of media consumption, which is everything I like again, and I get to share, uh, hopefully in good versions of. Um, I'm, it's a great, it's a great time to be a consumer. <laughs> That's the optimistic spirit I love from Papa Ezra. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to say before we move on is just because you guys um, started the Tucson episodes without us. I just wanted to say how much I like Tucson again. Um, and it films really extremely well, as you mm. guys have noticed on this these two episodes. They just like left a camera out in the desert to get a sunset, and it looks so good. Yeah. It, Man. No, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I love the American aside Southwest from on the film. the Top Chef logo projection onto a hillside done in post. <laughs> that wasn't that good. That was so bad, and it would have been fine. It would have been like weird if they bought a giant 
Top Chef laser logo and projected it on a mountain. That would have been a weird choice, but I could have stood sure. for it. But yeah. just the like MS Paint CG version that they put in for that was so stupid looking. It looked so kooky. Tanya and I had to watch that clip three times just to ascertain what was going on because you know it could be the type of JW Marriott that like sort of has a projection system yeah. that sure. for a big enough conference would project no. something somewhere. But no. the angles were just so wrong yeah. that like it had to be completely fake. It was like. Uh, it was, it was very exactly strange. They done. also they as a Chiron would have done the same thing. <laughs> but also, like, they didn't need to do it. But, oh, it seems like something whatever. Top Chef should have. Like they go to different cities every time, so shouldn't they have like a laser projector so they can put Top Chef just well, on? Yeah, but they shouldn't. Do they need one with a five size? mile range? Yeah, right. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. What's the well, if you can go one mile? Why not five? I also like the idea of just like a giant, like, I don't know, kind of um, iron brand, I guess, that you just like, you know, like heat up and then just like stick into the the hillside of wherever they're going. So it's like Top Chef is here. I think those are great. Um, The, uh, the other, well, okay, just one more insult and one compliment, I guess, while we're doing this. The other thing was that all of the confessional interviews on this episode were filmed on a green screen badly so badly yeah. like i Wait, don't know what they did with the lighting for, or like the lenses. entire season dude it was like yeah it was it maybe it's just a this, different background a, on this worse, but it looked screen so screen. much yeah, worse the, on these the two lighting episodes. in tucson was worse um it was in terms so of bad yeah and it yeah. looked like it was filmed on a phone and you, and you were using a, the zoom automatic backgrounds it just you didn't need to do it but to give the back to the compliment they the city looks like tucson's beautiful the american southwest is gorgeous and i like i really did like they did this like triptych that fades into one picture that becomes the whole screen graphic thing a couple times. And I thought that was really nice. So there are parts of the production of the elves that I really liked. Um, also just having flown to Tucson so many times, seeing them get into the Tucson airport last week was very um, sense memory for me. It's a very memorable little airport. And uh, also I, uh, I wish they'd gotten Palatus, but at least they got carne in the sky cage <laughs> sky meets sky, the very first sky meets all right let, but let's get to the finale you guys you guys pumped for the finale ah. i think it's different after it's over were you pumped going into it yes okay yeah i felt pumped then i feel I less pumped now yeah two, two pumps of queso <laughs> I, I, um, I definitely don't feel as pumped and I feel bad about that because watching this like it it I, I don't know if it's like by comparison or just because Buddha is has like a personality that's so much like previous Top Chef winners because if you look at like the parts of his backstory and how he came up like he's a very very inspirational winner and has gone through so much and like I, I was feeling very emotional with like some of the stuff he was saying but I also mm-hmm. can't help but feel like it's disappointing in that it feels like Top Chef winners passed. It definitely didn't feel like the most exciting win. And it's also hard when somebody is ahead for most of the season and seems like obvious. But I think the main thing that makes it feel a little disappointing was that two of his courses were beautiful but didn't taste that good. And it would have been nice if they tasted as good as they looked and it felt like mm-hmm. the most amazing meal. And none, this was not a finale. Some finales, every chef makes the most amazing meal that the judges have ever tasted. And this one felt like it had an, had more misses than average. Yeah. yeah. And I, that I took think, some of the fun out of it. I think the fun was, yeah, just a little bit less than usual because it was so clear to me from mm-hmm. the beginning almost that he was going to win. Yeah. Well, it was it, very early on. It seemed like... Uh, 
well, I have my theories, but I think in the second round it seemed pretty clear cut. So it it did. Um, I will say to me, um, it, it wasn't even the results of who won, but actually the production and what they chose to show of the chefs making the meal. Um, I mm. really loved the cookout. I love the the horseback riding stuff, Always. and that felt like a special treat. Yeah, but. Yeah. In terms of actually watching the chefs cook their finale meal and the mm-hmm. decision making process and, you know, show us how special it is. Show us how much like cooking and how much technique is going into it. Instead, we got sort of some blurring, not blurry, but like some montages of like chefs working hard. But yeah. like we didn't see all the decision points that went into creating those really special meals. And so as a result, it came out and it looked good tasted good for the most part but i didn't really get the sense that this was a culmination for each of the chefs from you know kind of the narrative uh and and also just the process that like this is a finale you have more camera time per chef than ever before show me what they're doing show me their decisions and i I, this is that's a very good point and i think this ties to something we've talked about before and i think is one of my my long running feelings on the show is that they do not film the cooking as well as other food shows they don't show us the decision makes and this and the step-by-step techniques and stuff and especially recently i would say especially yeah. the past couple of seasons it's gotten harder to well, ascertain what's going yeah. on and could this be COVID, i was just you know? gonna say i used to like i feel like i understood and followed the food a lot more in top chef in the last couple of seasons i can almost tune out the cooking part of it mm-hmm. and just kind of tune back in when they're showing the food in the close-up. Yeah, and isn't that, I guess, I don't mean to say like, oh, you know, Top Chef is so disappointing these days, but like, for no. instance, you know, show me how a curry mole is made and show me why <laughs> it's interesting other than there the fact that There are 37 ingredients in each of those half sauces. I know. And I didn't see one ingredient but, go into the curry like, mole. A, a, an associate producer is saying, hey, you know, like, tell me what's going in from a curry, what's going in from a mole, how you're combining it mm-hmm. as you're, you know, doing it. And that way we at least have a soundbite that gives us something more than like, it's a curry and it's a mole. Um, Kyle, know. what were you saying? Well, I, I wonder if that is a symptom of the COVID productions and they don't, they aren't able to have cameras in the kitchens because of such like tight confines. I wonder if they're like having the cameraman in there for or either fewer ones to sort of track like what's interesting in the kitchen instead of being able to really like get in on each step. And that might be okay, why that's this is smart. That and now way. I feel bad. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 hold because on, hold like, on. Oh, the past couple seasons have been kind of worse for some reason. No, I don't know what else is I going mean, on in the world. This is, a, this is a choice. They could still stick GoPros on everyone's forehead. It would be totally fine. <laughs> yeah, they do. They stick GoPros yeah. on, the, on the carts. They know what they're doing. Everyone should have helmet cams the I, whole time. The knives. The knives have cameras. Knife cams. Yeah. That's a good no. guess, Kyle. I think that's very possible. Really smart. Um, yeah. But I also think there's probably a directorial decision because mm-hmm. I think you always have the chefs going, uh, "Hey, what you making over there?" Mm-hmm. But you don't, you don't have somebody saying like, "What, what does it mean to tweel? What are you hey, tweeling? What's, in, what's you inside your soul right now?" Yeah. 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 I mean that. Like, I think like a show that does this really well is Iron Chef, where they have chefs walking around filming you, going like, "What is that? What did you just put in there? What are you doing? I think I know what you're doing with that." But that's the and structure I really of Iron Chef. Of is like it's a it, Iron Chef is about the process. It's I think maybe less about the food than it is the act of cooking it because it has that sort of sports feel, and they want to see every single second, every single cut. It really is like like Iron Chef is the opposite of what Sarah was just saying for me, where I can watch Iron Chef and as soon as they plate, I'm like, well, I can tune this part out. Who cares? Just tell me who won. I want to see that like it's about cooking as opposed mm-hmm. to about 
plates and and top chef meals. is much more about the meals yeah i i mean okay so i full disclosure on this one i think uh on over at our house we had a um I'd say a poor viewer accidental edit uh, through some uh, streaming shenanigans uh, where oh. we uh, like had like kid getting ready break uh, that was like 10 minutes long because uh, it was like uh, sure. uh, past bedtime. And then at that point, uh, I guess like the, the, the browser like refreshed in a, in a bad way. And we accidentally like started right at the when they announced who won. Uh, <laughs> so it was like it was like it, it was like we, we skipped it takes away some of the excitement. So it wasn't all the way bad. It was like we, we went from like them at judges table sort of like going through like this is everything we liked about it. And then we skipped ahead like kind of like uh, two like little mini segments to when they announced it. No, it's just mm-hmm. Pluto was like in his talking head saying, I can't we, we, believe I, can't I won. Did we lose your mic? Say one more time. It was the, it was they there skipped ahead to when Buddha was in his talking head saying, "I can't believe it." Yeah, presumably that he won. Yeah, um, that's too so bad. That was a little disappointing, but it was nice to hear that um, uh, you know, that everyone was disappointed, you know, regardless of how uh, how you did the uh, I guess the viewing. We, yeah, we, we took all, all good versions. Uh, uh, but but I think I'm wondering if just maybe Top Chef endings. It's not really that good. We didn't come here to make endings. We came here to make friends, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's a good point. I feel like, you know, with some seasons, I'm mean, with Melissa King, it was clear she was winning the whole time and we were still ecstatic when she won. There are some chefs. I, but listening, you know, I was I was kind of surprised to listen to you guys last week and you basically said exactly what I had been thinking, which is like, even though Buddha's been great and ahead of the whole season, it's just the stories are a little bit better with Evelyn and 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 Sarah. Sarah has this unbelievable comeback, probably the mo- one of the most impressive things on the show's history. And Evelyn is a hometown chef. And I mean, also, I'm just like I'm interested to eat Evelyn's food and mm-hmm. and Buddha's food. I'm interested to look at, and that's not the same thing. Um, but let's go back a bit. Now let's rewind. We got some good feels dump about it. Yeah. But let's go back and go through this a little bit more in order and see where our feelings can- come into play. So for those of you who have not seen the episode, it is a very straight-up finale this year. One day, four courses, no tears. Um, sitting at the table are Stephanie Izard, as well as Eric Repair, um, Bricia Lopez, a um, restaurateur from the area, Gregory Gordeaux, as we remember from um, previous days, as well as uh, Tucson chef Janice Wilder and award-winning chef Alexander Smalls. And I feel like we met Alexander earlier this year, and I can't remember which one, but... Yeah, what a he good seemed time. familiar to my his face seemed familiar to me too. Yeah. I think he um, might have very been very fun. Uh, uh, was it in the I don't think it was the brisket challenge. I'm just scrolling through. Yeah. Yeah. He was around. Um so uh this year the one slight difference is that everybody from the season who has already been eliminated is sitting at an airport just waiting to get the phone call to come to Tucson, which is especially impressive because that little airport does not have a lot of direct flights. So that there there was some travel time we had to skip through. Um, Sarah yeah. calls her elim- elimination I, buddy Robert. Please, Sarah, go. I was just gonna, I was wondering if like that was in their contract from the beginning because if it were me, I would just be like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm assuming it is, yeah, and I'm assuming this year it's actually like either COVID or being generous to the chefs to mm-hmm. not make them just hang out in Tucson and do nothing because previous seasons you have to go to the second location and then just be there in the hotel yeah sit and probably get, like, express for four days you get the extra dishes during the finale like you're you're an off-camera diner all the all the that, you know that, that make it i definitely remember i'm trying to remember was it hawaii where that was like where the when the, it was, i think it was a hawaii final where one of the eliminated chefs was like i hope they don't pick me i want to go surfing 
<laughs> like, yeah, definitely sometimes you have to go along with the to the occasion and not do anything. So this is interesting to make you stay at home. Maybe it's disappointing to people. I don't know. But the idea Wait, that you have to fly in. the next Two quick day is weird. Uh, I I want to jump back to the the judges table. There were two corrections. Bricia Lopez is a local Los Angeles chef, not a Tucson chef. Oh, Just a, she oh. she's the owner of Guela Goitza here in L.A. Oh, what's Guela? I've not been to Guela Goitza. Uh, you probably can't have it. much of it because it's a mole specialist, and they have chicken stock in. No, all I have of their been moles. to Guela Goitza. Okay, I have been there, and I can't eat much of it. But I had like a hot, <laughs> I had a hot chocolate with corn in it. It was very good. Yeah. And then a uh, Top Chef uh, alum, oh, Ed Lee. Crazy. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Ed Lee was there. I forgot I was, about Ed Lee. Was Ed Lee was there with the, with the fun jacket and the uh, um, uh-huh. saying fun things. Yeah, I like I liked that jacket. Yeah, I'm just always loving everything. I love it. He had yeah, the juiciest quotes. Dude. Like, Repair had the best burns, but he had the most flowery praise. Oh, right. Well, yes. you say, like, I've excellent, like, right, like, my view is of, of you, Eric, basically, so I have the best view. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so sweet. I... I, I also, you know, when they say getting before the before they announce the winner, where they say like, even if you don't win, like we love you and you're in our family and we're going to take care of you. I do feel that when I see people who did not win previous seasons at final tables being treated like that with such respect I and being Ed like, Lee is like, you're up here with Eric Repair helping us. Eric Lee is one of the most like commercially successful Top Chef alum. Like it, he, really? he didn't make it huh. to the finale of a season, but like he is, he's got a master class. Like he's one of the more marketable oh. chefs to come out of top chef interesting not he not i'm sure he's not as commercially successful as malarkey who has like twenty nine thousand restaurants but hey you never know um that's interesting well i like him good and i think that's that's the that's why i don't care about the finales in the same way i think this is why maybe i'm anti-finale is just that it's it's really like you've had this whole journey and it be they're always a little bit more random, I guess, as a result, right? Because you're you're not looking at the whole kind of body of work from the whole season. You just look at this one one this one on the whole. So yeah. that's so true. I agree with you, but okay. Go, come in, Chris, please. Oh, uh, all I was gonna say there is like a successful Top Chef finale meal is sort of an expression of the body of work in some ways, right? So we've we've seen you know some finale meals winners or losers uh, or or non winners of a finale let's say not losers but um <laughs> who have been like you know what yeah i'm i'm putting my entire journey you know into this progression of courses so and your so, your learning is there but if you miscook your ballantine it's not like you have a the the seven times you cook good rabbit in the season before don't matter yeah, but that's never been the show. That's never been a normal. No, no, no. It's, but show. yeah, he's he's not saying it has been. He's just saying like that's why it's not as emotionally impactful is because it's a it's a one game playoff. It's not the whole season, right? Okay, yeah. fair. And I think that's fair. true. And I think I think it does make it. Yeah, I I agree with you completely, Chris. That you are like bringing in your whole season to it, and you should be. Um, but I do feel like there's randomness in any one day. There's yeah. all, you know, like anybody, and I do feel especially like most finales, but definitely with these three, if you reran this day and you were like, make the same meal and you gave them two days and the same chefs, it definitely could end up different. You know, there were a yeah. couple of small decisions that like that rabbit Ballantine could definitely have been amazing. And then it would have been a really interesting race. Well, I and, wonder if I mean, this could be like, if we're, I could be getting ahead of the episode if we're going to have a food discussion, but I wonder if that Ballantine was oh, possible are. to pull off in the restrictions they had because she was well, like, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. She put it together and she's like, well, it's not cooking right. It's not cooking the way I want. It was like, 
would it have ever cooked that way to be finished properly the way she was playing to do it? I don't know enough. Totally about fair. So totally it, fair. Well, so if it's a sous vide, I guess, right? Like it will get to the right temperature at some point mm-hmm. if she can keep it in there long enough. But I guess I don't know how long uh, sous vide takes to go because that's that's a slow that's a slow thing we are we are going to talk more about the food that is a great point we'll come back to that on the route as far as the summary goes we are still on the direct flights to tucson so sarah chooses <laughs> for her sous chef uh her buddy her elimination buddy robert who um, went home on the same day um surprising to you i mean i that was the one that she had a relationship with but like i mean she got eliminated in a team challenge with Robert and then torched her way through Last Chance Kitchen. So, like, it's sort of a thing of, did Robert, how much did he contribute to her being eliminated so early in the season when she had, like, a lot of good cooking in her? Yeah, that's definitely fair. I, I, also, I who else I does she have a, the, who, who exactly, she have a relationship she know? with? She doesn't yeah. know anybody here. Yeah, no, that's true. I, she th- can't that pick makes someone who too. went 10 episodes past her. She didn't see them. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think it, it it's a move that made sense, but Tanya and I were talking about it after the episode. It was like, is it different if she chooses a different sous chef? And we kind of our 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 agree or consensus was no, because at least mm-hmm. from the edit, we didn't see Robert doing heading up anything other than the pasta, which was good. Yeah, and then he was just executing her vision and her timing for stuff. So I, think I don't he, think I think Tom said the pasta was a little thick, so that was maybe oh, one that's right. Yeah, maybe one thing. I okay, just, but I, like, I wonder... even if even if the pasta was the right thickness, even if the Valentine is is cooked, you know, perfectly, I don't think it's an even race. I think her other dishes weren't up to the same standard. And no, so... I think you're right, and I think there were and the, and her issues were more. I mean, there were some execution problems, but there were also it's conception sexual. problems on the same yeah, dishes. Yeah. yeah, so they like the know. rabbit dish. They were confused by even if it was cooked properly, and the. The sisters with too many extra cousins. Exactly. Yeah. The extra cousins. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's a fair point. Still on that flight from Tucson. No, no, we got one of the sous chefs (laughs) out of the way. Second sous chef. Evelyn chooses chef Joe, which I think makes sense. A classic, uh, Texas team up. Oh yeah. Yep. And they're buddies. They're from that, uh, group of chefs who hung out together in that one clip. Yep. And, uh, and then Buddha calls in, in some taste Jackson to round out his posse. (laughs) Um, slightly recovered Jackson. Tasteful Um, Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> just just a tasteful amount of Jackson. Um, after one day of prep, the sous chefs get to go back to the Holiday and Express by the airport, while the remaining chefs get to ride horses. You guys, what a what a great day! Yeah, they also eat a feast prepared by Eric Repair and Tom and Gail and Padma. But more importantly, to Sarah, they rode a horse. Eric Repaired. Prepared. Did, did they show what Gail cooked? It, it seemed like Gail may have fixed drinks for people. She, she made, made the, the dessert, tart, the tart to ten. She made the, oh, she made the, the upside fig down fig tart, and that oh, okay. she was making that, but she didn't flip it. <laughs> no, she wasn't. One <laughs> no, that was it. a heavy boy, man. That cast iron, the huge size cast iron, mm-hmm. a lot of lot of difficulty flipping that. I love this part of the show so much. It's the new the highlight of where, the season. Like honestly, they, yeah. The, Every year, the chefs seem to forget that Eric Repair and Padma and Tom and Gail are going to cook for them. They've but... only done it uh, the last three seasons. They they first did this in All Stars two uh, because that was like a... interesting. We had an Emerald cook at one point. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, Emerald cooked for him, but maybe it wasn't the finale. Maybe it was earlier than yeah, that. It was I earlier. We heard a stone cook. 
And there's yeah, been, yeah. there's been some We've, other nice stuff. Maybe this but. as the finale break is a new thing. I yeah. explicitly as like a treat okay. for the finalists and getting like yeah. an all stars style. Because there's been plenty of times where one person would cook a meal for them and talk to them as sort of like a psych up. Yeah. But having this official thing at this point feels like a really, really good treat both for the contestants and us as an audience. Yeah. So I think the first act of this actually is really pretty strong, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Right. Like I loved, I loved the the call moments uh, that we had, mm-hmm. which is like, like that's I want, I want that to be the way they do it from now on for sure. Where they just like, hey, buddy, can you can you cook with me? And that just seems really sweet. Um, it was really nice. Yeah. It was better yeah. than picking them out of a lineup, having them call them at home. It was sweet. Or yeah, that's better, and that it could be anybody. It wasn't just the last three mm-hmm. eliminated chefs. Um, yeah, but I also do like it when it's like their Sue from back home. You know, is oh, also, I love that. Yeah, but that was good. Really but I don't good. know them usually. So yeah, no, we don't that's, know that's them. But it, no, but you but see that so you can much. see in their eyes how much yeah, they know yeah. them. Yeah. yeah so that's I don't know. True. I'm torn because if they're choosing chef testants, this is the best way to do it. I absolutely yes. agree. Um, and then I just I, I do wonder what happens if you're the second person to phone Jackson. Uh, yeah, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I already, I already said I'd go to Just dance got with him, but otherwise <laughs> yeah. I would. Yeah, right? Um, I mean, wouldn't that be weird? I mean, I assume they had to have a discussion about it. Actually, yeah, I like... there was... Go. Well, I was going to say, I like the idea of them being able to pick anyone who's been on the show at all this season. So that includes judges or their friends, friends and family. Just anyone at all who's been there at any <laughs> point. Yeah. Like, it's like, technically <laughs> speaking, they're on the show, so... I do like that. I, I do... I do wonder about the sous chefs because not everybody necessarily has a sous chef who you don't have. It's not a requirement mm-hmm. to be on the show. Um, but, but bringing in a cooking friend from the real world, that's, that's the thing they did on masters for sure. And I like that because I like seeing you at home with somebody. And in fact, actually I'll, I'll mention this now. I was looking at um, Sarah's, Sarah's Instagram post after the finale aired. And one of the things she said was like, they they said like cook the best meal of your life. And that, would never have been true because it did not include my team. And I put this team together and I think of food with this team. And these yeah. are my, this is like my brain of food. And so like, it was always going to be the best I could do by myself, but not at all what I'm like here to do. That's not what I care about the same way. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so interesting. And um, yeah, it's like part of the skill of being a great chef is who you pick to work a with a huge you. part of it yeah and 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 also i just i all i mean as a creative person you know working with you guys too the same thing i am always more interested in what we come up with as a group than a thing i write off in the corner by myself like i just think you can I use just a desk really by the look, way alex i just want you can use a desk that's not in a corner it's totally fine i just i think that's the that's how they you put a desk they go in corners huh well, we gotta talk later <laughs> But yeah, I just love I just love the creativity that comes in a group so much, and I I think that's so cool. So yeah, it, it, that's the thing that makes me want to bring in somebody from your real life instead of another chef you just met, I'm, just to see how deep your team is and what that means. It is fun, but I will say there's not one perfect way to find creativity, and I I no. don't like I think this like goes to both like cooking to all to podcasting to any creative pursuit is like there is a lot that it is that comes from a communal effort of everything everybody putting in their own expertise but i do think that there is a sort of tradition in cooking and there is like an argument to be made that following one vision can also produce a unique a unique experience too and i think there's lots of restaurants that while a lot of the sort of like nuts and bolts of what goes into the menu is coming from a big team, it 
there there can be a lot of excitement seeing like one person's vision executed in a lot of specific ways. I I, I just certainly I think yeah. like you, I agree with you that I love seeing like a team communal aspect, and that's cool that Sarah works that way. But I do think there could be a really cool restaurant that's like the Budalo experience, the Budalo Blue yeah. Explosion. And and what I like about you bringing somebody um, from your your sous chef or real life is that you could have somebody who's going to contribute if you're maybe Sarah and you think of it as a team, or you could have someone who's going to just execute if you're like a person who hires people who are good at executing and you don't want them to be part of the vision, but it's still part of their part of your choice and that's still part of your creative direction as an auteur on who you bring in and how to make them execute, but. All right, so we're out of the airport. We're back into the chefs. They had their diner, their dinner um, with the big bell. And uh, now it's time to cook. And the key this year, no curveballs for the chefs at all. Just straight four courses. The only extra level of challenge this year is for the diners who are going to have to eat dinner covered in bees. (laughs) So many bees. And those were, uh, if you paid attention, those are wasps. Those are not bees. Those are, Uh, of course, cute little bumblebees. Bees Bees don't fly around your head, right, Sarah? Bees don't care about your face. No, they don't care about your food. They just want that sweet, sweet nectar. Yeah, Yeah. not not your food, man. So like yellow jackets are like wasps technically too? Yeah. Yes, I think so. I still call them bees. They're not honeybees, but they're lowercase bees. They're yeah, yeah. They're not. They're I, not bees at all. I think that's. I, I. think it's fine if we lump them together. I think gorillas are monkeys. But anyway, that's a different discussion. Um. I do. Did you guys notice there were like tiny helicopters on the tables? Yeah, were I those so distracting? How could you not notice? That we was, were thinking I mean, like, that was what that was for. Just swatting them away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, like that's meant to kind of create little air currents and stuff to like make mosquitoes mm. go away. Those wasps or bees or whatever did not care. Didn't at care all. at all. Yeah, whatever. It, it looked like it was a humane wasp repellent and just like natural deodorant doesn't work at all. It was like uh-huh. the better for the yeah. world does not help you at all. Uh, it, is what it looked like was happening. If it what was a tough a, challenge covered in wasps. Yeah, it's not the way I'd prefer to cook, but sometimes that's that's what the world gives you. They were so <laughs> composed. Actually, I didn't see anyone freaking out. Yeah, yeah, no, I would have been like much more like upset than they were. They were like annoyed a little bit. I think that's terrifying. Frank in editing. That is, uh, there yeah. were there probably were Eric Repair shrieked <laughs> at some point. <laughs> he said soccer blue. <laughs> oh, I would love to see him say soccer blue. All right, so we're covered in bees and we're off. Now let's get into the actual food. So round one, Buddha kicks off the first course. With, an, with another of his gorgeous twirled food in a bowl of clear broth using a sauce vignon that he learned from Eric Repair on YouTube, apparently, during one of his many cram sessions. Um, Evelyn answers with an equally beautiful scallop in prickly pear broth that she picked by the paw um, okay. that is two, two flakes of salt away from being perfect. And Sarah opens her meal with a desert-colored venison and beef heart tartare, also known as a beef tartare, mm. that is a bit confusing. So she's playing out of a hole already, and it seems like Buddha's in the lead one zero zero. Yeah. First yep. course thoughts. I did like the colors of Sarah's dish. I noticed that before they said anything. It just without really even thinking, oh, it matches the landscape. I was just like, ooh, that's pretty. Yeah. It is it was a really and it was more it was very different looking than the other two. The other two looked like they were meant to be in like a well lit indoor setting, and hers looked more I mean, well, I guess we should talk about their theories of the of the, the meal. day. So Buddha is making a series of meals inspired by his family members. Um, 
for three of them, and then the last one is inspired by America. I think he was expecting um, a three course meal, and as a Top Chef fan, he's like, "I've got a story for my finale," and he's like, "A fourth, uh, 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 America, USA, America. USA." Nah. Um, and then uh, Evelyn is cooking a series of of things inspired by the two cultures that she's most experienced in, and Sarah is making the meal that you would find if you got lost in the desert and bumped into Eric Repair in a really nice kitchen. <laughs> and also minimizes food waste. Yes. Crucially, it crucially minimizes food waste, although she did say it's like using every part of things, but she only cooked the beef's heart, which meant the whole rest of that cow got thrown away. She was eating that on the side. She was just like a nine. Like, <laughs> she you know, was snacking on the rest of the <laughs> cow. <laughs> and also, a third theme of her meal was also these misos her friends made. Yeah, yeah, friend. Yeah. The, friend real, misos, the real misos are the friends Eric prepare in the desert. Maybe it was too many themes. Yeah, it my theme be. is I too mean, many themes. Honestly, I actually think her theme was really was like one of the more interesting yeah. stories. I, I mean, I, I don't want to be too harsh on it, but I, I was a little bit. I, I felt like Buddha's theme was a little bit of a stretch, where he was like, "This one is themed on my mom. She likes the best fish." I mean, you just made the best fish. That's not really family related. I, you just picked your favorite fish and cooked it for us. I, the I one with think, his dad made perfect sense. Yeah. And the brother was like, my brother likes this fish. And then the other one was just like, my mom deserves the best of fish. Well, it just feels it's like a thing about pampering his mom. I think it, I think the story was more about wanting to make something luxurious and like what he thinks like his mom deserves and also like what. Yeah, he she enjoys. I think there's a little. It was still a stretch. It was him like doing a story a stretch. that he knew would play. Yeah, and then America, and then <laughs> and then pumpkin and then American pie Thanksgiving. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, American Thanksgiving French dessert in New York's Central Park. Um, okay, so that's the first course, specifically um, the Central Park from Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or um, you've the, got mail. <laughs> mm. the uh it did feel like though in terms of like the drama of the episode it did feel like it was over early like him winning that first round by so much and how beautiful it was and having seen his other courses previewed it didn't seem like there was going to be a big race at this point well if you're um, dumb like me and miscount the numbers uh you're you're <laughs> on the edge of your seat <laughs> i mean being dumb definitely keeps drama alive a lot so that's a strong strategy well, i want to do this you might have heard Sarah, new Sarah is in the chat. Uh, and I want to get Sarah. Sarah's take because she had the winner spoiled for her by Padma on Twitter. Yes. Uh, oh. Before seeing the episode, but was watching yeah. all this very silently, not giving any signal who was going to win. So I, I, I haven't talked to Sarah about this, about how she thought this things were stacking up, knowing the way it mm. ended up. I love it. I think they did a good job of editing it to, to look closer than maybe it was uh like knowing the outcome mm. i was i mean this the, the finale is almost always like this though right i don't think we've ever seen someone really like screw up hard in the finale but it it looked like evelyn could take it for a while um and some of that could have been like my wishful thinking too but after those first couple of courses from her in particular i was like damn what happened because it seemed like mm. the the appearance edge definitely went to buddha but the way everyone was talking about the flavors of her second dish in particular i i really was like i would have thought uh evelyn had the edge for at least a little bit um yeah i so i think the too. drama felt like it was lessened after first course and after second course i was like oh interesting yeah mm -hmm. and also, yeah. that was where it felt like it turned back on again but when they they really course, uh, uh kind of 
Eric Repair had the like most damning critique of saying like this is like the food that we had to cook in the eighties. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So let's talk about course two. So course two. Buddha serves a series of round things in broth that all the chefs immediately clock as out of the 80s. But since I didn't do a lot of fine dining in the 80s, I was too drunk for most of the 80s <laughs> to go out to nice restaurants. So um, to me, I thought that looked cool. I don't know. Am I dumb? Did you guys? I thought it looked really cool. I thought cool. it looked cool. I have a brain yeah. the size of a pea and I would have been so happy with that plate of food. I Like, give me 80s stuff all day. Right, and it was free too, guys. Stuff. No one's paying for this. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They were like, I don't want the butterfly on here. And I was like, I'll take all your garnish butterflies. Yeah, give me me a whole bag of butterflies. Plate of garnish. I mean, also, Buddha was not cooking a lot of food in the 80s. And, you know, Buddha Buddha was very alive in the 80s. Totally. uh, So I think the idea and one of the one of the guests said this, which is like the 80s and 90s aesthetics are very in right now. And I and that's certainly true. There's a lot of like vaporwave '90s aesthetics popping up different places. Uh, bistro that vibes. Uh, that is I, a whole thing of like. Don't uh, get Cal started on bistro. Bistro vibes. vibes is a lifestyle. Honestly, we're a little a, a year behind <laughs> bistro vibes. Uh, la- 2021 was the year of bistro vibes, and like how uh, uh, Spago was coming back, and like the avant- like the cool thing is like big suits from the early '90s, and the sort of idea of. Oh God, it's it's just like it's all like fashion and aesthetics and kind of this weird. It's like people posting nostalgia. pictures of like Billy Crystal from the early '90s and being like, "Look at this fit." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. And I to didn't that see- extent, doing things like cutting a bunch of perfect circles in uh, one of two wrappers, so you get contrasting circles on your tubular thing holding the fish is like it's nice. But I think one of the reasons why it has been out of fashion is it seems like it's technique for te- technique's sake. Mm-hmm. I yes. don't think any of the critics yes. were saying. I don't think Repair was saying this is '90s and I hate it, or this is '80s and I hate it. But I don't think that anybody was saying that it added to the overall presentation of the, or like the overall effect of the dish. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think if this had tasted as as good, they would have been like, oh, cool retro vibes. What a great tasting tube of food. Mm-hmm. But because it yeah. didn't have um, much, much flavor with it, but, it was just the setup for that. But yeah. That like, said, I mean, it, Tom and Eric were super over it, just I think on its face, because they've done so much of that back in the day. I think yeah, so. I wonder if they, yeah. they they may have been burned by creating too many little fussy details. Well, that's true of a um, lot of times when people are like having throwback vibes to a time, and then the older people are like, oh, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. Did not love the 90s. Yeah. It's like early 2000s um, fashion. Let's not do low rise jeans. <laughs> Yeah, oh no, never low rise it. Um, rise it all the way to your parts of your body you want to cover. I want to rise um, my eyebrows. Pop rise, yeah, yeah. Just a full Maximum rise. strength rise. Um, basically, yeah, the big issue was that the dish was just like Chef Jackson who helped prepare it, which is nice to look at, doesn't taste much. Um, oh. Nice. Uh, Evelyn, though, she sees her second dish. She makes dumplings that are clear in a broth that is also clear and all tastes amazing, which is some absolute wizard filth cooking. What is happening? <laughs> How did she do it? That was one of the prettiest dishes I think I can remember seeing on Top Chef. It was unbelievably gorgeous. Oh, my God. That was really so cool. It looked like it was alien. incredible. It, it, I, if this was the food that they have on Star Wars, I wouldn't be as disgusted by every meal in Star Wars. Like... This, <laughs> oh, I forgot you guys talked about Star Wars food last week. I liked that idea for a challenge. I would love to see it be like, make a dish that serves well with blue milk. That's good. Yeah, I would love to see the Star Wars food. And I also, yeah, I think 
it's clear, but it tastes incredible. That's what space food should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Or blue. It, it just looks. It should be coconut milk with blue food coloring. <laughs> I've had. I had. We had one in. Uh, at, like when we were at uh, Disney. It's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's some good. It's some good milk. You get the blue milk. You get the green milk. It's good milks. I got like. Yeah, we went. We ate the. We ate at the at the bar that had like a, a flight of cookies and milks, and it was it was all pretty solid. Um, but it definitely tasted like Earth food colored blue. Yeah. Well, that, now you know. That's what it tastes like. That's what they eat out in spaces. <laughs> yeah, good thing I like Earth food. You know? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Earth food. That's true. We're, the whole show is really about Earth food generally. So, um, And then also in response, for her third course, Sarah makes squash dumplings and broth made from the corn bones. And it had three sisters, and at least two of those were too many. Two sisters too many. And so she falls even further behind um, and is not yet eliminated, but seems like my basically sarah is mathematically eliminated at this point whereas buddha and evelyn have tied at one and the drama's back it's a two-horse race but definitely it feels at this point like it could go either way yeah and uh, it's, okay, it's so again a, a philosophical do- question of the where whether you want like the sheer like cookery or the the flavor avant-garde of well i totally agree and i think if the curry mole yes tasted as it promised yep Evelyn wins. Absolutely, I think and, this is where it falls apart and, because that is and the really thing got where it, into the flavor of the ghost. Yes, I mean that yes. was the thing that was. Had she had another hour to do it or whatever, maybe that could have happened. But under the yeah, if the she hadn't tried to saute the potatoes, yeah, you cook the food in the flavor. You don't just fry it off. Yeah, if she if that had tasted as good as it sounds like it can, and when mm-hmm. she like perfects this and is this is her signature dish, then absolutely, I think they would be happy to have her win for substance over style like yes. the hominess of curry mole if it tastes as good as either curry or curry curry or mole can taste on their own possibly even better i think she wins because i they definitely were so uninspired by the great looks not great flavor of the second yeah. course of buddha but if it doesn't was... the technique oh. holds go ahead chris yeah i was just gonna say that this is such a this was the point at which this particular dish was the point at which i knew evelyn had lost it and also was so disappointed because you know so much of the top chef narrative is and the narrative of this season is like hey look at this person who's developing amazing flavors Mm -hmm. and really pulling it off and known for this and the fact that she just couldn't get the flavor developed and into the food in time yeah it's just such a you know a, a swing a miss for somebody who previously was batting close to a thousand uh, yeah i wonder if it's basically all i mean the so both evelyn and sarah did not were not able to do the thing that actually like kind of brought them to the dance in the first place basically right so yeah um yep. whereas like buddha was able to still buddha like the whole way through and that's, that's so kind true of, buddha kept booting the whole time um buddha, I, think, buddha, I think that's buddha, exactly buddha, right so let me get it everywhere some, <laughs> let me summarize the third <laughs> course for you buddha kicks off with mongolian beef an elevated version of a dish his dad made um, um, for years, and his dad passed like days before he got the call for the show. So the shiny thing on your plate was either demi-glaze or your tears. Oh. Um, Evelyn answers with her big swing, the curry mole, which is where you take two sauces that each have an improbable number of ingredients and combine them together for an absolutely absurd number of flavors that somehow meld together and taste a little boring. Oh, what a what a big miss. Um, whereas Sarah cooks the rabbit and what the rabbit eats, which isn't just sad. It's also kind of horrifying looking and bunny. She keeps up her utilization theme by miscooking every part of the rabbit. 
Mm. Yeah, she did say bunny, and it was so off-putting. Bunny is really off- yeah. That's she said that an like, appetizing phrase. You don't want to say no, bunny once before a meal, let alone four times. That's a bully activity to hold call on, it a bunny. You're trying to hurt our feelings. Alternatively, what about the game Fluffy Bunny, where that's the whole point of eating your meal while saying that word? <laughs> yeah, but you're not game. serving rabbit. <laughs> like <laughs> that raw, game would be... sometimes rabbit, rabbit bones, bunny. Yeah. The, the ah. word bunny makes marshmallows taste better, but it makes rabbit taste worse. <laughs> I think that's exactly yeah. right. Um, so uh, now Buddha has a strong two to one lead over Evelyn, and Sarah is now mathematically eliminated from championship contention. This is the course that decided it all, I think, because at this point, even if her Evelyn's de- dessert is 10 times better, his third course not only looked incredible, but tasted so unbelievable, apparently, and there had the go. best story of all of the stories. That felt like that was the dish that won it for him. Yep, it was. Yeah. And even even if his dessert wasn't the greatest of the desserts, it seemed like every, you know, like it. Yeah, it was it, nail was in the coffin on this one. Yeah. And and this is the one where Evelyn had the opportunity to do that. And if and if she had matched, then they're one and a half wins a piece. Like if they if mm-hmm. she made a perfect dish out of here, she might have still pulled it off dessert. with a better dessert. It could have been like a tiebreaker thing on the dessert. Yeah, of. yeah, exactly. And instead, the dessert feels like it's not actually enough. Because even if even if she blows him away, he's got two savory dishes ahead. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to vote. So the the sweet fourth, fourth course, Buddha serves a tribute mostly to, you know, America, which is a pumpkin pie covered in tweel leaves, like the changing colors of the leaves in Central Park. It is probably the nicest looking, like most beautiful plated dessert I've ever seen in my life. Also, one of the few times Top Chef has shown a full-on, like, spoiler of the dish in the preview of the episode because they were also so taken with just the beauty of the leaves, and like some of his other food didn't taste like that much. I don't know didn't have yeah. enough sauce. Well, they... the, the fact that they said it needed less cake and more sauce was like really eye-opening to me. About like those proportions must have been a little wacky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, as a big cake aficionado sarah you know that the, that ratio matters it does a lot and usually i'm in favor of more cake less frosting or whatever the yes me too sugary component is that goes with it but it sounded like you know it might have been maybe maybe this uh would have been the cake for me but not for tom <laughs> well yeah also sauce is di- yeah is different than frosting yeah. for me i wonder also if the cake was just ate a little dry and mm-hmm. so you needed more or it was just a little flavorless and then you need the sauce to make it taste like anything yeah, yeah that's that's where the flate punch of flavor was from, yeah from the criticism it seemed like and you know yeah any dessert that's like mm, eats dry i'm, I'm not no. super into no so. that's no fun for anybody Unless but, um, you know here's the thing that i'm i was thinking about just when, when we're talking about the arc of the finale meal it was stated i think at judge's table that dessert was the by far and away the best course for every one of the chefs. Yeah, so and this having... is a year with great desserts. This is yeah. the year where Demar made the best cake they'd ever had. Chefs that are not comfortable with dessert knocked it yeah. out of the park with desserts, which is so cool yeah. to see versus early seasons where chefs came on and couldn't handle a sweet dish. They'd make a box Absolutely. cake and say, screw you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They made a box wedding cake. I remember that. Oh my God. But like, Buddha had the third the third best of three desserts and still was winning it. So that's kind of how uneven it was going into the dessert course. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so Buddha's dish is perfect looking, but tastes a little boring. Evelyn makes the best Bunuela of all time. um, But as pretty much always happens when you make panna cotta, a little too much gelatin in the panna cotta. 
Yeah, this is like an easy win. Too chef. little. Yeah, sometimes it's also too little. That's true. This is like the easy win chef dessert, and for some reason on this show, it's very difficult to handle the right amount of gelatin. Um, and also, panna cotta with too much or too little gelatin gets gross real fast. So it's not. Yeah. It's not that great. Um, it's look. This is for the amount of ruinability it is. I don't yeah. think this is the thing that you like. It's like it's not worth the risk. Generally, in my life, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, I want to try that buñuela, but um, you need to put it on something else. And then, um, what is this? Is the door left open for Sarah? Yes, it is. She explodes through, riding on a horse, serving an incredible acorn cake, which gets her on the scoreboard finally for winning a course, which. Um, is great to see at the end for her just like to feel better leaving this challenge because we knew she wasn't going to win. It was good to have her at least get one win. But that means, as, as far as I can tell, Buddha has two wins and Sarah and Evelyn split the remaining two. And so he skates to the oft-prophesized and apparently oft-tweeted victory for Buddha. And Buddha is the next top chef. I think it's actually a little bit further away too because like he, in terms of like course for course, he definitely won. But he, while he didn't like win the second or fourth course, he still made dishes that wouldn't be like embarrassing or like he made dishes that if he got them, he'd be like, oh, this doesn't taste so good, but I'm not unhappy. I got this beautiful plate of throwback food or this like I, that, yeah. even if that dessert ate dry and was under sauce every time he cooked it, it's a signature dessert that every table is going to order at his restaurant absolutely true i completely agree with that like um yeah he so even the the, judging course to course is not even how you necessarily have to do it because he won some of the courses by way more than he lost the other ones um but you're right that buddha just seemed like he was ahead for almost the entire thing the second course made it look exciting but then yeah his his overall Mm -hmm. meal definitely looks the best i mean my feeling and i i said a little bit of this earlier but i just feel like um Evelyn's is the food I want to eat. Buddha's is the food I want to look at. And Sarah's the chef I want to hang out with. That's how I felt about this finale. Yeah, that's the yeah. fuck, Mary kill of top chef is hang out, eat, <laughs> look at. I was going to say that eat, pray, love. <laughs> that's you know. would have been a little nicer, especially because the Sarah Desmond experimenting with putting headphones yeah, on their kids. Just the one moment, Kyle. <laughs> it's great timing there, Kyle. The one moment um, we got more than PG here. Uh, that was that was good. It just you, you I, just got it right in time. She just yeah, you she just, just missed it. She, but yeah. she chose to vacate at, right at the moment. She was like, I, <laughs> she feel, I feel like there's adult self censored energy happening. So yeah, yeah. If we were, but but I I completely agree with you. Mary Boff kill. That's how I think it shakes out for those. Um, uh, I mean, it's a what? I mean, you don't idiot. say boff, Chris. No, I'm good. Okay. Um. Anyway, I I mean, I just the whole thing. I like, even though I think her food did not live up to what she was trying to do. I think Sarah like said what she wanted to say. Like her point of view came across. She seems so cool. She bought a cowboy hat for nine 99 with her extra whole foods money. Mm-hmm. Ezra, that's got to give you the win in your heart. That's yes, fan favorite absolutely. material. <laughs> it's Ezra favorite. Yeah. How many times can someone with a better memory than me tell us how many times a top chef contestant has bought a hat with the remainder of the whole foods money? Because we've seen it at least twice. I want to say at Sheldon least twice. One, right? yeah. Sheldon, mm-hmm. Sheldon was the other one I remember. Sheldon got a hat for sure. Mm-hmm. I want to say Fabio bought a hat. It's like always someone fun. That. It's always someone. Fun. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I, I like it every time. It's a good move every single time. I've never bought a hat from a Whole Foods, but it makes me want to. It makes me want to be fun that way. Mm-hmm. I just I, I love wasting part of your money on something aesthetic. I think is really fun. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a hot day also. They'll, you'll need it. Yeah, yeah you don't they know if were. they're going to be cooking outside. I don't know. Serve your case. Well, they ended up cowboy riding a horse next to it next <gasps> minutes later. So she oh, was the only one prepared. What if she had bought like a whole bunch of hats and that would have been like the cloche reveal where you just like you pull off the hat and then you yeah, have your, your heart tar. <laughs> Gross. Honestly, yeah. I think that would have made For her first course reason. taste better. You revealed that beef heart tar, that beef heart tar from underneath a cowboy hat. <laughs> or other way, wait, we just you serve the hard tar in an upside down cowboy hat. Seems true. Huh? No, that's getting into some some jankery that I can't. That's I real can't gross. That's I don't like blindness. hats in your food. I think is my general feeling. Food in the hat. Um, the the difficult thing. So like I was, I'm I'm pleased for her, and it seems like she took the right things out of it. And I think she had an amazing for getting eliminated in episode four. Yeah. What an incredible season. Um, oh, yeah, but she did have to do the thing that I recognized from my own life and from competitions I've done, where she knew she did not win and had to keep listening to the judges for an hour. Mm-hmm. And you could see on her face where she was like, "Just I'm playing out the string. I know I have to be here, but I would like to go just get a drink and not think about this anymore. And it sucks that I have to listen to you guys compliment other people's food longer. How how long is the judging of comedy stuff, Alex? Oh, so the usual you don't stand there and listen, but frequently you like there you're like I finished, and now it's thirty minutes while they count the votes, and you just sit in a room with the like you sit in the stew room and wait for them to tell you who won. And that part where you know you haven't won, but you can't leave yet is, and then you get called up on stage to be have the winner announced. You know it's not you, but you have to like look like you care. That part is like it's really weird. It's very strange, and I think she did an awesome job with it. You have to handle it. You could see that hint. What it's the Glenn Close effect. Always nominated, yeah. never won. Glenn, Glenn oh, Close, yeah. but no Glenn Cigar. Yeah, it's <laughs> a better outcome. But, I like Glenn Close. I'm not a big fan of Glenn Cigar. <laughs> speaking of the stew room, I did. Uh, it was some indication of how long the judging was ta- taking, with how quickly the edit devolved into its drinky feelings time <laughs> with Buddha and um, yeah. and cheese. Yeah, like that. That devolved very quickly in in the span of the episode, at least. Yes, and. Uh, you know, it, it, they they take their time doing the judging. They do. And I there was one moment in Judges Table that I want to just highlight because I thought it was really, really good. Because I think in previous seasons, there has been time where judges suggest that technique is less soulful than the flavor of your family. And I can't remember who said it now, but somebody said... But playing with technique is what like he loves. That mm-hmm. is part that is of Buddha's. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, yeah. Uh, and I, I think that is a great point. And I think it's really true because I do think his food, especially when it's beautiful, but doesn't always taste as good. There's a risk of you getting a bit of the like soulless edit. And I mean, especially because his third course had so much story and heart and flavor. It was less of a risk. But still, one of the things Buddha loves about food is playing with techniques and yeah. finding modern techniques and making it look good as part of the fun for him. And I love yeah. them like recognizing that as an equally valid direction and, to go. And I do like Top Chef did, I, I think has, has one of the points they've evolved on. And I'm sure we might've talked about this before. And a lot of brilliant writers have mentioned this too, but Top Chef has seemed to evolve a little bit away from the viewpoint. That's like soulful food is usually sort of a stand in for like a particular type of ethnic cuisine um, yeah. or yeah. non-French cuisine. And sometimes they yeah. just felt like... Your grandparents and it can't be French. Yeah, they've like pushed people into maybe some types of like boxes of cooking that aren't great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was nice that that didn't... I didn't notice as much of that on this season. I, I hope it's just a sign that the show continues to evolve in more interesting directions. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they have involved, evolved on that a lot. 
And it is like Sarah is another person who was not cooking a lot of like non-French grandparent food. Like her point of view is about the place we're filming the finale. Like if, wherever you put her for the finale, she was going to cook a lot of ingredients that you could have found wandering off out of the city in that area because that's what she's yeah. obsessed with. And I think that's really interesting. Did anybody catch um, her, what she was saying um, with uh, Robert when she was sort of conceptualizing her meal? It was, wasn't it that like, hey, a lot of the ingredients here are also ones that I'm used to working with in Michigan. You know, I kind of mm -hmm. want yep. this to feel local. Um, but I, I, you know, had they been somewhere else, her approach might've been very different or still been sort of like highlighting a lot of the stuff she knows how to do from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, she's definitely like going to like go with venison anywhere that venison is available because it's her thing her skill set but fair enough okay yeah I, I mean who knows if they dropped her in like the in outer mongolia what she would have cooked with i have no idea but i do you know it's it's sort of like making i mean this is the top chef trick right is it's taking the skill set that you have from home and adapting it to whatever they give you yep. and like what's the thing that's like the the um nopalis relleno is like such a perfect example of like the dish i make every day your weird ingredient and it turns out they go great together mm -hmm. that is like a perfect marriage of it and i think she was going to do that wherever she went and I, I just i think that's cool i think it's not like we don't know anything about sarah's grandparents but we know about the things that matter to her in food and she's i mean like she's obviously right about the way food needs to go in terms of waste i mean she's on she's she's saying yeah. things that i agree with and also making them really interesting and incredible. I don't want to eat it. I mean, the last thing I want is bunny bones, but like I'm I think she's right to stick up for that in the in the fancy food arena. But yeah, I do want enough. mole curry. I want curry mole so bad now. <laughs> but, but do you want goat curry mole? Nope. Nope. But this is one of the beautiful things about curry mole. You can <laughs> you could just cook tofu in that. You could you can just you could just have a have a slushy full of it. Well, I don't I'm, think I'm, I'm Marie slushy. Do you ever you ever feel like someone agrees with you, but then it makes your case weaker? Do you ever guys ever see that? <laughs> Not sure what you're talking about there, buddy. <laughs> um, all right. So we have, uh, okay, one. We've, we only have a little bit of mailbag, and I think part of it is the timing of this week's episode, and I'm sorry we're not going to get everybody in here. If you do continue to write to us, we would love to hear from it, from you. We will read them. We, I will share them with each other. We will just not be reading them on the air because this is our last episode for the season. Maybe uh, maybe if you're so good, if you write the best thing, we'll all get back together just you to read your thing. If there's yeah, enough, maybe, I'd, maybe, I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to do a guest episode. Yeah. Or a, bonus, a bonus mailbag bonus episode. Mailbag. Yeah, if, you're, if it's that good, oh man, we will. We'll do your worst. We'll We'll get People. the reveal of where season twenty is, and we might get back together and include some. Meat. Or it's going to be over brunch. I'm, 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 I'm willing to put money. At oh, I didn't Sydney compliment Australia. you on that. What a great guess! I like that guess so much. <laughs> I still want to talk about Bridgerton, also for the record. I'm ne never going to do it. Let's go, let's go this season. <laughs> yeah, oh, it is let's go. Oh, well, that's good, I guess. Is yeah, it? there's never been a show where my mom was like, so I'm watching this show where I was like, not going to talk to you about it. <laughs> there's no way I'm going to discuss where does the goo go with you. Um, all right. So, but the only thing, so Kyle, I love your guess and I would love it to be Australia. Did they say that it was going to be Europe though? No, nope. just said international, I think. I thought everything's filmed internationally. Overseas. They did the say only overseas. That, was, uh, that's the phrase I've heard. Yeah, I think that's maybe that's all it was because they're just like 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 doing little snippets of interviews on um, TikTok is all I knew about this. But yeah, um, 
I did love the discussion of whether or not Hawaii is overseas. I mean, it definitely is. Like, I think there is a strict definition of you go over a sea and that's enough. But this is, Well, this says prep your passports, I'm seeing also. So... They're, they're, right. Yes. Yes. They did say passports. Yeah. We know it's not Hawaii. I think that was a uh, that was a fun technicality. But I think I think Australia is a great guess. And I, you know, I would I'm super into it. And I have watched enough shows set in Australia recently where I feel like I'm very prepared to love this region. Are you? Have you um, watched the new one on Netflix? That's about an American girl that gets bullied by the surf community when she moves to Australia. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that that's when Netflix. I've definitely is been watching up. stupider shows from Australia than that. But yeah. I, I mean, we, I love Lego Masters, but Lego Masters Australia is a hundred times better than the American one. And it's a weird kind of full of yourself to say that, but man, it's the best, like it's better than British Lego Masters. Uh, Australian Lego Masters is the best one. The host is a, uh, is this guy Haim, Hamish, who's so wonderful and the perfect host and better than Will Arnett. And I love him and I want to hang out with him. So is, anyway. is it just from a production standpoint or are they more masterful with the Legos? The, the builds are mostly better. They have more artistic builders for sure. The hosting is better. And also the challenges are better and more interesting. Like the, the team is better. And it's not the first one. They stole it from like the British one was first and then American and Australian I think Australian that was second and then American was third. Mm-hmm. And the the Australian one is by far the most interesting one to watch. I love Alex, that show. Alex, how how can you have so much time in your life that you have a, an informed opinion on which is the best Lego Masters in the world? Like It's amazing cuz I don't feel like I have much time, so it's like like one of the few things I make t- or maybe I don't have time because I'm only watching different international Lego Masters championships. Like that's wild to me. Like I like I can't believe these would exist and then you would be able to like speak confidently on like which is the best in like a ranking. Megan had to lay down because she's not feeling great, but Megan would tell you that she agrees 100% and she works for a living. So the fact that she also agrees, like we've watched, it's just like this is our lunch watch is Lego Masters and just the Australian one wins every time. Okay, most people don't have a lunch watch, so I think that is at least part of it. Yeah, we're working from home. You get a lunch yeah, watch. We sit, we sit down and get a lunch watch, yeah. Um, wow. Anyway, it is very, it is very wow. Not easy to watch, but if you can find it somewhere on the internet <laughs> legally, highly recommend that. Anyway, a couple of quick emails I want to read. First, from our library correspondent, Hannah, who says, hello, all. Oh, actually, wait, wait, sorry. Um, this lacked when Ezra was here in charge. Let's do it together. One last ding song. Thank you. It's time for the mailbag. Thank you, everybody, for writing in. Um, you can keep writing into us podcast at oh no we do mailbag at packyourmics.com is the best email address okay so Hannah says hello all I'm sad that Top Chef is over but I might be sadder that Pack Your Mics is done for another year Push I always love no. hearing impossible I <laughs> always love hearing from those um, not currently or often on read it and weep as well as I am for Alex and Ezra of course also love to Tanya I'm sure she's very busy but I've missed her please pass that along Aww, for us Chris I will yeah. Um, going into this finale, I felt like there were a lot of parallels to the All-Stars finale. There was one chef who was crazy consistent and always in the top three, um, Melissa slash Evelyn. There was one chef who was incredibly technical and made beautiful food with very high highs, but some weird misses, Volt Buddha. And there was a sarcastic underdog that acquitted herself very well and showed that she had a lot more talent than people had expected, Stephanie Smar and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, for this reason, my prediction was that they'd all cook well, but we would really it would really come down to Evelyn versus Buddha, which I think was uh, what we were mm-hmm. guessing as well. My money had been on Evelyn, but given the feedback, it was clear that Buddha should and did win. Um, 
Although I literally dream about making an autumn leaf milfoy. That was a gorgeous dessert. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a great, we were talking about what parallels the season had at the end from another listener question. And I think you're right. This did come down to much more like the all-stars than I had remembered, um, except for the result. They probably should have renamed it though. as like a, maybe like a, a wheat or nuf foy. They just, they were not that many foys. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of foys. more foys than you would usually get and literal ones too yeah it's no it's impressive maybe that, so i guess each literal foy is worth like you know maybe a hundred other foys yeah i go. mean a picture is worth a thousand foys yeah okay well there we go um i um, agree with that analysis a hundred percent i think i was also hoping it would be evelyn but it was clear that it was going to be buddha and i was okay with that because of of how the episode went I mean, it is, Buddha did have some weird misses, and I. it's easy to forget just how incredibly uh, powerful Evelyn was this season. Like, her record was unreal um, yeah. this year, as she had as many yeah. tops in the eliminations as Buddha did, and more quickfire tops. But um, only one quickfire win. Only one win, but she had four elimination wins, which Buddha also had four elimination wins, but just both of them were in the top almost every time um it's really really impressive the two of them were so dominant this season and i i had the feeling from the edit that buddha was going to win for a long time it felt mm -hmm. they were leaning more on him than they were on evelyn mm -hmm. but so early on too they were like it, it, even in the second episode they had to go and like the other team being afraid of putting a dish up next to buddha's like yep they they were sowing those seeds pretty early on they really are yeah well, i mean i try not to think there is this whole community that's really good at like analyzing edits of reality shows to tell who's going to win early on. And I try not to learn too much about it because it takes some of the fun out for me. But I did feel like we we're getting more of his story than Evelyn's the whole year. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, man, what an incredible run for Evelyn too, just to give her a little more due for being in, um, for finishing in second place. Just, yeah. just a yeah, dominant performance. Eat her food. I would, of, of all the chefs, regardless of her being in the top, she's the one who I would love to go try. You know, I also think that um, for for Megan and Sarah and I, um, I think she was she's the most likely to have a dish we can eat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Isn't that nice? She feels like Out she cares about three, me. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not guarantee. Um, authenticity in in food usually is a sign that they're not going to be a vegetarian option, but hers is the one that's most likely edible. Mm -hmm. All right. And then one more email I want to read from our restaurant correspondent, Jordan, who ends the year with this message. Um, this is a narrow uh, comment, but um, Jordan believes that asks, is Ezra the Sean Jordan of Pack Your Mics or is Sean Jordan the Ezra of all fantasy everything? You don't have to know what that means, Ezra, but it is a <laughs> huge compliment. Yeah? Yeah. Sean Jordan is just one of the most excellent human beings who's ever lived and is also an incredibly great uh, on that podcast. So, all right. I mean, really got to figure out. I got <laughs> this is good. You've given me some homework now. I'm going to also, also just got married uh, two weeks ago. So, congratulations to Sean and his family. Uh, I'm very excited for them. I will say that this yeah. pretty clearly makes you, Alex, the Ian Carmel of Pack Your Mics. I mean, I think by the like fact that i'm hosting is kind of implies that um and a wildly successful success. portland comic yeah 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 or yeah, wildly I, talented I, at least i'm not gonna I, put a you. value on your career but the the, the comedy um, is elite yeah he's the number two on the late late show and i um i'm doing know him sometimes oh wait, i, I met sean jordan that's true yeah i can right, text we, him right now uh <laughs> 
We yeah, I remember we met Sean Jordan on yeah. He Gle- did a couple episodes of our show, Gleaming the um, Cube. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. He talked about skateboarding and Gleaming the Cube. Um, anyway, really like that guy. Um, all right, anyway, back to work. Jordan says uh, that was so messed up to have the table so far away from the kitchen. The yes. poor servers having to yeah. walk carefully and not mess up the plates <laughs> with so many broths. Ten judges, thirty plates per course, not including caress for broths. So many hands needed. Yeah. I laughed every time we had to watch them carefully walk across three football fields to get out to the table covered in wasps. It didn't look like it even was... ground, too. There's like no. some, some prairie dog holes or whatever the oh, no. out there. It's in there. Oh man, lizards and snakes everywhere. Um, and that's not that's not soft grass in Tucson. That is some prickly grass you're walking over. Um. Jordan also says, I'm so happy to see what Sarah can do, though her ambition got the best of her in this one. But check her Instagram. She's doing great things. And I that's where I followed to see her um, commentary on this, which I really appreciated. Um, and yeah, she's doing she's doing some very cool stuff in Detroit. And when I am next in Michigan, I am definitely going to go seek out something. I'm going to look at her menus to see if there's anything I can eat. And if there is, I like using all parts of the corn. I'm into that. <laughs> Serve me the corn bones. I'm ready for it. Yeah, they didn't do anything with the silk or the husk. So, you know, well, you, have made you don't little know dolls, what, you know, you guys, you yeah, all exactly. made those in like third grade. Maybe little dolls are made of. Yeah, put them by the plate. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, every time somebody says they're using all of something, I know they're just using a little more of it than before. And that's still good. Yeah. And that's good progress. No, like we don't have to, we don't have to talk about where the corn silk goes. It's, it's, it's replacement toilet paper. Hmm. is it compostable i'm just gonna ignore that is it compostable did you of course i assume you're just throwing that in the compost yeah Yeah, it's just plants putting it in the garden growing more food (laughs) and the concern is that you're not like you know killing lots of corn just to use their kernels that's less of a concern yeah that is less of a concern with corn but but if you if you are composting and replenishing the soil that would actually be really good especially since what corn in america has done is mostly deplete soils so um uh, that's very cool. Jordan also says props to Buddha out here on TV rocking the Asian glow, um, which I get as well when I drink. So um, that's fun. And also, thank you for another great season of the podcast. Love you all, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Aww. It's been Thanks, great Jordan. hanging out with you. Thanks, yeah. Jordan. I um, have appreciated all of the people who have written in this year. And please send us along more email. We will enjoy it and possibly read it in a bonus episode where I talk more about Legos. Last order of business before we let everybody go from zero to five how dry was your heat this season <laughs> how many oh. wait is cat- it a good thing to be yeah you yeah you want dry heat okay yeah no it's a heat but it's it's dry heat it's, it's a dry okay. heat yeah. just like being on fire um you know i was gonna say two but i'd say three on this one okay. um one thing that made me feel bad i'll say i felt bad when i heard evelyn say how much more this season of top chef helped her appreciate houston as a houstonian Mm -hmm. and i i thought wow we've been maybe misjudging this this season but well uh, or maybe it's a very different experience going around doing that stuff yeah Yeah. watching it and she also saw the full unedited version Mm -hmm. that's true that's true she did spend uh, seven weeks in houston while we spent eight nine hours yeah 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 minus commercials yeah yeah Uh, yeah i yeah i that's i mean i think that's exactly the right question though is like i have one feeling about the whole season and one feeling about how houstonian it is if it was like 
you know, how many cacti in my posse or whatever. I feel like, like Kyle said last week, we learned more about Tucson than we did about Houston somehow, which I don't understand. Um, maybe it's because it wasn't as sponsored. But um, yeah, sorry, Chris, finish up. Oh, I was just going to say like this, this will go down at least in my book as a, as a good, not amazing season mm-hmm. of Top Chef. Yeah. Yeah. I, if we're weighing in on the Houston, how I'm still going to go back to the, I'm going to do the dry heat for the season and then cowpokes uh-huh. for the season as yes. well. I'd say it's maybe two cowpokes uh, okay. overall. And I think that might be a little yeah. generous. Like I felt it's a two cowpoke season uh, yeah. in terms of dry heat. I'm going to give it a three. I'm not disappointed in the season. I had a good time talking about it, but especially mm-hmm. coming yeah. off of all stars and Portland, which yeah. all stars is an outlier because it's oops, all faves. And then Portland, yeah. Yeah. I truly think they did some, they, they cast it a little bit better than most seasons where like we, we got into them a lot faster. There's a lot more personability. And like the fact that Shoda Maria, mm and Don were brought back as judges and pending his acts. Uh, if his actions hadn't precluded it, I'm sure Gabe would have been back for one of these episodes. Well, that's, I mean, the thing that it, in hindsight, thinking about ranking seasons, like I wouldn't recommend anybody watch Portland now because the ending was such a yeah, punch in the stomach. But I, I do think an incredible season, but I think that the, I, I, I think the chefs in Portland were a little bit better than this seasons uh in in a way that i i makes me think portland is like a top top quarter it's in the the yeah. top quadrant yeah. of top chef seasons i think yeah uh, and i wouldn't i think that's immediately true. put houston up there even though it's not bad i think it's just right in the like baseline top chef is good top chef houston was good but it didn't like reach the like peaks of top chef i think that's true yeah sir knows yeah i think three sounds right to me because I think, you know, overall, I like the chefs a lot and it was fun to watch, but just in general, I don't think I got much feel for the food. Um, Like we were talking about before, the process Mm -hmm. of the food and just Mm -hmm. the excitement about the kinds of food that everyone was making just wasn't there as much this season. Um, And obviously, like the location was, you know, not as flavorful as it could have been. That's right. As? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some interesting parts of it. When I kind of judge like how much did I enjoy the whole process of this whole thing, and I think that's that that's really this was a this was a fun thing that I, I felt like I, I was good for my life at this time. This is the first time we were able to bring the kids into watching as well, which is nice. Yeah. Um. So mm-hmm. they're both like old enough, had good how, how does, for it. How do they feel about the ending? Were they satisfied? Uh. Yeah. I mean, they is fun. Funny to say, Caleb. it's Caleb. Um. Yeah. I think. I think he was a little disappointed. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he liked Evelyn a little better for it. Um, yeah. I think the, the, he was the, the least happy with, uh, with the accidental uh, self-spoiling, um, oh, yeah. which was very anticlimactic. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, probably, yeah, two, at most two cow pokes. Um, I think that I can give it maybe a three and a half. I think it's like a top third, uh, maybe, uh, like just sort of maybe like half of a standation, half of a standard deviation away from the median, uh, value of, of a top chef quality season. Um, new Sarah. Yeah. How, how dry was your heat? Oh, I know there was a little bit of humidity from time to time. I got some, (laughs) my hair started to curl a little bit more than Uh it usually does. Um, 
the season, I mean, I still enjoyed it overall. Like everyone's saying, it's still Top Chef. You know, Top Chef is is great. It's one of the all-time great shows. Yeah. I had a wonderful time. Yeah. I loved very many of these contestants. Uh, most of the food looked really cool. I wished that there had been more episodes like the Night Market episode and the Freedmanstown episode because those actually, mm-hmm. I thought, did the best job of, of um, introducing something cool about Houston itself that that most people wouldn't know. And uh, I always want more of that like local specificity and I'm sure COVID affects how much they can do that too. Right. Um, sure. So it's still a good time. It's not, not one of my all time favorites, but I, I still really enjoyed it. And I thought that finale was lovely. I, the only thing that I will add to this is I think maybe my overall enjoyment was slightly higher than yours. I agree with everything everybody's saying, but I think it was probably three and a half or four for me i just really thought i really enjoyed it i mean i enjoyed all of the times it was on tv so and i i thought and i the way the show has evolved and grown is almost entirely good and so every season that's not from the first 10 just gives me some glows that i don't that i hadn't gotten those early seasons that are just like this show cares about these chefs and cares about the chefs from last seasons like and the the way they bring back previous chefs is so cool and it's got, they've gotten better at it and they've done it more and I loved it. And I don't think they showcased Houston at all, but just the fact that they wanted to go there, I know it's for money, but also that they thought there was depth that they clearly didn't show us makes me want to give Houston a chance. So I don't, I didn't get it here and I will have to figure out how to learn that when I next get a chance to go there. But when I'm back in Houston next time, I'm going to, I don't know, seek out, whatever Dawn would be doing, um, seek out what Evelyn likes and and try to find that part of Houston that they care about so much and maybe the night market and stuff like that. So I do feel like it gave me a more, it accidentally gave me an appreciation for Houston or maybe just by association, which is the whole point of them paying for this thing on the show. Um, whereas it made me want to watch Jurassic World Dominion less. So it's not <laughs> just the top chef glow. Like I, am actively angry at Jurassic Park movies for existing. Um, man, my I picked up my niece from daycare the other day when I was visiting, and she said we were playing Jurassic World, and I was so disappointed she didn't say we're playing Jurassic Park. You could just be dinosaurs from the... You don't have to be the new spinoff series. Well, anyway. but Blue is such it's a foundational character. Yeah. She's got well, character blue all over Hollywood at the moment. That's not a joke. If you drive through Hollywood, all of the posters are like blue in Jurassic World. What? Oh, <laughs> Alex, would yes. you be on board if we get Eric Repair to say Sacre Bleu? <laughs> in Jurassic World? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like Jimmy Buffett in the first one. Have that level of cameo. I would love it. I love it. That would be perfect. Um, yeah, so anyway, I feel mostly positive about it. I feel like they they did not try too hard with Houston because they're just so focused on the money. But I... I and I... And I don't feel as attached to the chef's stories as I have on some other seasons, perhaps. I'm not as deeply in in, in the, the tank for somebody like I was for Shota or, or mm-hmm. Team Small Fish or whatever. There was more, there was some fun personalities last year. Um, but I do think like as far as stories on the show, as far as like performance-wise, I think Evelyn and Buddha are two like notable chefs in the history of the show. And I think Sarah's run is as impressive as anything. So I think this is as good of a three-person finale as like we could hope for for a lot of reasons so i was i'm really stoked for it i do think that if you could do portland minus what we know Mm -hmm. it would be one of my favorite seasons of all time and with what we know i have to like i don't i can't enjoy watching it now watching having sex pest be at the top of every challenge every week with a different mole that's like not fun 
So the fact that this year has been so delightful and it feels like everybody is still cool is really nice. Um, yeah, yeah I just can't overstate how disappointing that. I mean, it was not quite the Nic- <laughs> it was different from the Nicholas M- Alemway, whatever. It was different from the Nicholas season. But one thing I like about the show is how they bring back the chefs I like and they don't bring back the chefs I don't like. And that is like really strong. Yeah, they're on board. They, 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 they believe the same thing. I, I was going to say before we, we bounce, um, can we do can we do a uh, fan favorite? Um. Yeah, we, it's Demar. Wins. Wins. Oh. He won. Yeah. Yay! That's, really cool. That's great. Um, yeah. So I, I got. I you're asking if we could decide what we wanted. You were no, saying, no. I tell you can we tell, can we, yeah. Why? Well, no. If, if like, I just want to cover it real quick. Yeah. No. It's it's cool. There's a quote that I got from this Mashed article where it's uh, he says, "Before I came on the show, a lot of people told me I need to work on smiling more, or talking more, or being someone I didn't feel like was me." The chef said, "To know that I went on national television and portrayed myself as myself, and it resonated with so many people, is a huge reminder to simply be yourself." Oh, come um, on. Yeah. Now so. you're my double favorite. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, right? And I I mean, given my like like you guys talked about last week, my theory on the way fan favorite should work, this is a great pick. This is a pick for someone who did not get as much as he deserved on the show, didn't get mm-hmm. to didn't get to have dinner with Eric Repair and Gail. Like this is an awesome um thing instead. And also just yeah, I like I'm super interested in his food and also yeah, I love I I love that he was like not trying to be somebody he wasn't on the show and and that he resonated so well with everybody that's yeah. great 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 thank you for saying adding that as yeah I right that. so that was a little good thing at the end right so so you know nick nick got a pile of cash right tomorrow also gets ten thousand dollars and, and it gets to be loved by fans um you know i think we'll, we'll all be nick wait, wait, nick, the, nick baker. the baker oh i forgot it's um, really easy to forget people more than an episode. We, back. we have we have we have uh, his his spice season coming uh, coming uh, yes. in the mail. I forgot yeah. about that too. We're, we're yeah, see, I can the, only go like one elimination back. Yeah. That's <laughs> as far as I can remember. It's only ever been four chefs. On. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have a keeper of the memories um, helping out with the show because we are the the, the losers of the memories. We lost them we're all. The non winners of the memories. Yeah, we're the givers. Um, okay. We are going to wrap up with that. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening this season. We really appreciate hanging out with everybody. Um, and thank you guys for hanging out with me. It's been so wonderful. New Sarah and Kyle, thanks for sticking around and hanging out. Hey, thank you. It's the best season of the year. You guys are so <laughs> great. And um, I, yeah, I know this is not your first season with us, but I still feel like you've been an amazing additions to the show and we can't thank you enough for joining us and hanging out. Oh, thank you. And uh, also we get to see your beautiful cheeky baby. She's she's going wild. <laughs> she's so cheeky. Um, Chris. Um, yeah. Great news. You did not win the season, but you are fan <laughs> favorite. Great. Oh my God. Oh, no. You were Wow. I am confident that is not it. true. You're the yeah. David Bory of this show. Huh. Okay. Anyway, um I, no people at home don't have to listen to that other podcast to get ours. That's just a bonus. Um, but you're my favorite. And also pass along oh. um to my other favorite, Tanya, that we uh yeah. missed her on the show and that we yeah, hope she's doing no, great. she just it 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 hasn't been working out for her to be on the show recently, but she's she, we're we're great. She's great. She's enjoying watching Top Chef and great. um yeah, I'll certainly pass along the the packing mics a lot. She's her, always in sure. our in our thoughts as well as the thoughts of our emailers. Um so. <laughs> um also uh Ez and Sarah, thank you guys so much for hanging out. It's been a pleasure. Guys, and thanks for bringing your family into the show as well this year. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, this is because I, I remember a few seasons ago where somebody was like, there's a lot of baby noise in the background. And we were like, we are going to double down on babies. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have so many more kids involved in this program. Double, this double our babies. That's what, yeah. That's what you like now, apparently. Yeah. We are top um, podcast featuring baby noise. <laughs> yeah. Here, hold my beer. It's a baby yeah. exactly. podcast with a little bit of Top Chef conversation. Yeah. Um, and um, like I said, Megan had to step out, but um, uh, thank you, Megan's chair, for hanging out with me this week. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I hope your, your <laughs> Megan feels better. Um, all right. That's it for our show. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll we'll talk to you again someday, some fine day. Goodbye, right, everybody. Right in. Bye. Make a Bye. 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 Bye.